In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and it is really hard to believe that the year 2017 is almost over. You know, it seems like yesterday when we had the millennium. And in two weeks, it's going to be 2018. And you know what? I remember the millennium. I remember all the hype when the first baby of the new millennium was born to a couple in New Zealand. The baby was born in Auckland and was named, I think, Tupo. And it's hard to believe he's going to be 18 in a couple of weeks. Um, and all those babies back then that were born at the millennium, the turn of the millennium, are now the new Generation Z, or Generation Z. And they're the ones that are growing up now and entering our workforces. And they're contributing to what the world will be looked at in what the world will look like in 10 to 20 years. They are tomorrow's leaders. And this is what our show, Leadership Beyond Borders, is about. It's about helping you become aware of the best leadership practices, leadership trends, and thoughts around leadership for both today and tomorrow. We also talk a lot about business issues that leaders need to be aware of in order to lead their businesses successfully in today's global marketplace. And today we're going to combine leadership, the future of leadership, and business by talking to two brilliant minds who are helping us form the future. So once again, a good morning, a good afternoon, and a good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. I'm recording today from Prague in the Czech Republic, and my guests are both located in Toronto, Canada. Now, over the last months on this show, we have talked about everything from business issues such as data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and many issues that impact your organization or your individual career or your business. So please download this series and listen to us weekly. You can listen to great advice, leadership success stories. You can learn from leadership success stories that can motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly be even the key to your future success. I invite you to connect with me. Send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or connect with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. Tell me what you want to hear about. I'd love to hear from you, so please send me a mail. If you are in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, if you are a business owner, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week, and we will make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now, on to today's episode. Generation Zers, or Generation Zers, however you want to say it, are now influencing the world, and they are the ones that grew up digitally connected to the world around them. I mean, they're accustomed to having data, content, and narratives thrown at them all day and from all angles. While this data and content overload may seem distracting, it's, it's actually given this generation more clarity regarding what they value. Growing up as a social first generation has given them front row seats into the lives and career paths of others, allowing them to better determine the type of work they want to accomplish and the type of leaders they want to follow and the type of leaders they want to be. As lifelong digital natives, Generation Z has proven to have a special affinity for artificial intelligence, specifically because it mimics their natural tendency towards global mobile communication and engagement. Generation Zs you spend about three to four hours a day on messaging apps alone, much of which is dedicated to interacting with chatbot technology. They are aware of the power and the potential for deeper artificial intelligence product development, and I'm going to call that AI, and they want to help make our lives easier. And AI does help our lives become easier. 
and AI also contributes to many things, such as medical miracles. They are contributors to this generation, and today we're going to meet two of those contributors, two very bright young people who are helping shape our future. And today on the show, I'm going to introduce Tan Mei and Tanvi Bakshi. Now, they are brother and sister, and I'll tell you a little bit about them. Tanvi is a new graduate from the University of Guelph in Toronto, where she has just earned an honors BA in business, accounting, and finance. She also attended the Humber Institute of Technology with advanced learning and a diploma in business administration. She received educational scholarships in 2012, as well as the Principal's Leadership Award, and was the receipt of HSF and SAG bursary, which are reserved for outstanding students. She also received the Gold Medallion for Leadership Excellent. She has now entered the workforce and in 2016 became a capital allocation analyst focusing on working capital solutions for General Electric in Canada. And Tan Mei, her brother, began coding at the age of five and is amongst the youngest cognitive and cloud computing developers. He builds applications engineered to augment human capabilities. He is a neutral network architect, author, algorithmist, keynote, and TED speaker, IBM champion for cloud, honorary IBM cloud advisor, and also the host of IBM Facebook Live series called Watson Made Simple with Tanmay because he was the youngest IBM Watson programmer. His passion for learning and sharing through his YouTube channel, books, and other media has taught him how to best utilize and apply cognitive computing in fields ranging from banking and finance to healthcare, medicine, music, and chatbots. Tenmei is currently working to achieve his goal of inspiring and training 100,000 kids and novice developers to help them create their own solutions. And he's also developing a unique system for those with Rett syndrome so they can speak through the direction and the interpretation of EEG signals analyzed by cognitive systems. Furthermore, Tenmei's latest venture includes helping to identify depression in youth at a stage through his custom-built neutral networks, and he's trying to help prevent teen suicide. So, Tanmay, Tanvi, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Love to be on. Yeah, great to have you both here. And so, um, this is so exciting. And I'm going to start with the questions right away. And um, I'm going to start with ladies first, if you don't mind. Tanvi, sure. I'd like to start. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about your family? I know that you, you live in Canada. Your family integrated, uh, immigrated from India when you were 10. Can you tell us a little about that? Well, currently, uh, I live with my mom and dad and brother, and that's my little cute family. Um, that's right. We came here when I was 10, and 10 May was very little. He was one. And as you could just imagine, any child moving to another country, um, I was super excited when my parents told me that um, we're moving to Canada. So, I mean, the thoughts that ran through my mind, I was, like, excited to be at a new place. I was going to go on a plane. Um, it was far from India. I mean, like, mm. and like 18 hours. <laughs> so I was, like, super excited to be on the plane for that long because I've, I've been to England before when I was, like, eight. But, I mean, this was, this was exciting for me as a 10-year-old. So, I mean, for when I heard the news, I was super excited but I mean, when I came here, there's all thought, all all sorts of thoughts that ran through my mind, and I'll keep that for the later questions. Okay. And what when you when you when you came to Canada, was there one special thing that you found about your new homeland that you really liked? So, so I came here super excited, and then I was like, let's start school. My parents are like, let let's let's see. 
uh, let's visit your school, like your new school. And I'm like, okay, this is nerve wracking. I'm nervous. Um, I mean, that's, that's, those were the thoughts that really made me nervous from being excited to nervous from, to anxious. Um, and then I guess the, the thing that I liked um, about my new homeland was the fact that when I did start school, um, eventually, people made me feel welcome. They made me feel like I was part of a group. Um, uh, everybody became friends with me really quickly. And um, there was no sort of um, segregation or, or she's a new girl. Um, so I really like that about the people here in Canada, um, even though we're like 10 year, 10 years old at the mm -hmm. time. And I joined school, um, maybe in November cause we came here like late October. So, is, um, is that when you started your interest in math? Yeah, for sure. So, um, that's where it all started. Um, I was the girl who knew her timetables till like 20 in grade five. Um, mm -hmm. so I was like, Hmm, I really like this. Um, I was able to do things like that and then being recognized for it, uh, by my teachers, I was like, Oh, wow. Okay. I can do this. Um, so that really got my interests, um, there in math. And then I realized I am good at this. So I continued with that. Um, I also started peer tutoring my classmates. And so I was like, oh, I can explain it too. So I still continue to tutor till this day um, in every subject I've ever taken in school, in university. So that's wow. also where that's, my passion lies. That's um, amazing. That's amazing. And to, and to, can I, let me just jump a little bit here. Um, and and Tamay, you... Yeah. You, um, a question for you. Now, I, I think a question that everybody is on their mind, too, because as a youngest um, IBM Watson programmer, uh, when did you develop your interest in programming? Well, actually, I mean, I originally started programming when I was five years old. Um, so this actually started with the help of my dad because he used to work as a computer programmer. Uh, and so I'd watch him programming, you know, almost all day. And whenever I'd watch him programming, it would always fascinate me as to how computers worked. I always wanted to know what went on in the back end. Um, and so, of course, I had that sort of curiosity. My dad was able to see that curiosity in me. Um, and so he went ahead and you know, taught me some programming with simple languages like FoxPro, Batch, a little bit of VB as well. Uh, and from there, I started to use the Internet and different books as learning resources and just, you know, kept growing from there uh, and kept learning different languages. In fact, at nine years old, I created my first iOS app, T-Tables, which helps you learn your multiplication tables. Uh, and as you know, at 11 years old, I stumbled upon IBM Watson, uh, a supercomputer which can answer Jeopardy questions, uh, which then, of course, was transformed into a set of APIs that developers can use to incorporate AI and cognitive computing into their applications. Um, and so I'm really, really passionate about AI now. But another question that I do get asked a lot, actually, just a really quick note on this, uh, is if I started at five years old, how was I able to you know, learn programming at, at such a young age? Um, and, and well, what I like to say here is that it's because I started at five years old uh, that I was able to get into programming. Uh, in fact, the reason behind this is actually quite interesting. It's fascinating, actually. Uh, now, actually, quick question for you. Have you ever looked at two, say, chimpanzees or any sort of primate? Well, sure. Yeah. Um, actually, in the live and in the zoo, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, now, you as a human probably cannot tell the difference between their faces very well, right? No, probably not, right. Exactly. And that's because your brain is trained to only be able to distinguish between human faces. Mm. However, really, really young people, like so are under a few months old, can actually look at different primates' faces and tell them apart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's fun. Yeah, that's fascinating because their brain is born with many more neurons than they'll ever need. And what happens is their brains were pruned down unnecessary neurons. And because of the fact that I was able to start at such a young age, those neurons that were really, really useful when I was programming stayed with me. And those mm -hmm. really helping nowadays. Yeah. So I think, I mean, this is amazing. I mean, you're both brilliant, brilliant young people. 
people, and um, this is such a great story. And we're gonna we're gonna take a we're gonna have to take a break in a minute. But I have so many questions for you. Um, and when I come back, I, I really I just want to hear from both of you how your parents encouraged you to pursue um, programming in math. And then I have uh, some other questions to talk a little bit about how this wonderful how this wonderful family and what opportunities you see for Generation Z in the future. So with that, we're going we're to take a short break. And for our listeners, uh, we are talking to Tan May and Tan V, um, uh, Bakshi. And Tan May is the youngest IBM Watson programmer. And his sister, Tan V, grew up with a mathematical gift and is now a capital allocation analyst. And what we've learned about them is that they have immigrated from India to Canada, where they both were encouraged to pursue their likes for Tanvi, that was math, and for Tame, that was programming. And if you want to reach out to them, you can reach out to Tanme at, at, at Facebook under Tanme Bakshi39 or on YouTube, his YouTube channel, and on Tanvi at Tamvi Bakshi and on LinkedIn under Tamvi Bakshi. Okay, and with that, I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis. This is Leadership Beyond Borders at Gmail. Uh, you can reach me at gmail.com. And we are listening to the Voice America Business Channel. And you can send me emails at leadershipbeyondborders at Gmail. So with that, we'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's Business Channel, and I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis. And today we are speaking with two young, brilliant Generation Zers, okay? And we are talking with Tan May and Tan V. Bakshi. Tenmei is the youngest IBM Watson programmer, and his sister Tenvi grew up with a mathematical gift and is now a capital allocation analysis. And before we left, before we took the break, um, we were talking about your family. I'd just like to, to kind of conclude that with one question. Did you get a lot of encouragement, both of you, to follow your dreams from your parents? 
Oh, well, yes, actually, of course. Um, and in fact, I mean, as I mentioned, really the reason I was able to learn programming is because I started this at such a young age. Uh, but without my dad actually realizing that curiosity that I had for programming, uh, and then from there, without him actually trying to tell me more about programming and in turn growing my curiosity, which led me to search up, you know, on the internet, all these things about iOS app development, I really wouldn't be doing things with like, for example, artificial intelligence nowadays. Uh, and so, of course, without them, really nothing would be possible. I wouldn't have ever gotten into programming. And of course, nowadays, I also do things like homeschooling. My entire family supports me. Of course, my parents and my sister as well. Uh, and so, yes, definitely. My parents uh, do play a, a critical role in that. For sure. For sure. As Tanmay mentioned, uh, without my family support, as well as Tanmay being here for me, uh, I don't think any of this would be possible or I'd be where I am today. So it's all, all, if I put in 100, they put in 100. They stayed up with me uh, like all night when I was studying or they, they'd make sure I had my lunch the next day because I, I wouldn't be able to get up in the morning and make my lunch and take it to school or take it to work. So even things like that as well, for sure, financially, emotionally, um, their encouragement, I wouldn't be able to, or Tanmay wouldn't be able to do what he's doing today mm. if it wasn't for my mom and dad as well as for me, like Tanmay as well, he's always been here for me, um, someone who I can talk to, not as a 11, 12, 13, 14 year old, but someone who I look up to and, and I share my feelings with him. He is amazing. So just yeah. like my mom and dad, he's a great system. I, I think that's so important um, and uh, to, to uh, allow brilliant young people to follow their dreams and that's such a nice story and it's really heartwarming and um what i'd like to jump back a little bit into um uh, tenme into the into the programming um now you have a long history i mean from five to 14 now and programming and you got how, what got your interest in um artificial intelligence and AI. What started that? What kick-started that interest? Sure. Uh, now, really, my interest for AI was kick-started by IBM Watson. Uh, mm -hmm. My original fascination with artificial intelligence and my original sort of gateway into the world of AI was IBM Watson playing Jeopardy, in fact. Uh, and it really fascinated me as to how we could have computers that are such literal, hard-programmed things by, by their definition. They are basically big calculators that we have programmed to do things for us, like, for example, transmit my voice to you right now. Uh, and we've programmed them now to use this sort of artificial type of intelligence algorithm uh, and answer Jeopardy questions, which is something that even humans have a really hard time doing. So that was my original uh, fascination with AI. That got me into it. Uh, but after around a year when I got into things like deep neural networks, what fascinated me is to ask how I could use IBM Watson and how I can use deep neural networks in order to impact people's lives. Because the thing is, it's already been impacted. We are already really impacting people's lives with AI. Uh, but the thing is, using AI in fields like healthcare, we can do things like, for example, give artificial communication ability to people who can't communicate naturally, which is, in fact, one of the projects that I'm working on right now. It's called The Cognitive Story. Uh, and what we're trying to do currently with AI um, is actually try to restore the communication ability of a quadriplegic girl named Boo, who's just north of Toronto. Uh, and the way we're doing this is actually I'm developing deep neural network algorithms that will understand really immense amounts of data uh, from some deep neural networks that I uh, from some uh, EEG or electroencephalogram brainwave headsets that we 3D print. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is going to be, I think, really, really fascinating. Can't wait for this to, you know, um, take off from here. And, and hopefully um, her mom can help us, of course, train these systems as she's sort of the intimate interpreter. She's a little connect between Boo and the outside world. She can tell uh, at least a little bit what Boo's trying to say. And from there, we can try and amplify that uh, to a much more accurate neural network system. In fact, I'm also currently working on a project in the mental health area and goal is to reduce teen suicide by actually diagnosing a di depression in the youth early by using numerous different data points. That's, that's an amazing story. And it's, it's a really amazing story to, to use AI for, for such good and to improve lives. And, um, but there's, there's also a little bit of controversy around AI and, uh, and Tanvi. I'd like to ask you, as you're not as involved in AI as your brother, and, and you as a Generation Z, or what, what do you think of AI and, 
And what do you, how do you think it's going to change our lives? I mean, as, as Henmi and as I am influenced by his love for AI and, and how he talks about it all day, trying to explain to me how I'm using AI without even knowing it, it's, I feel that it's become an integral part of our lives already. Mm-hmm. Uh, I personally, uh, as, as everything goes, there's negatives and positives. But with the story of Boo and with Tanmay's initiatives on reducing teen suicide, reducing youth suicide, helping children like Boo, young people like Boo who could be connected to the world with the power of AI, I am very inclined on saying that, as I said, everything has a good and a bad, a negative and a positive. But, you know, his work with AI has really, really convinced me that for sure there is more positive in AI than, than there would be any negative. I mean, if you train a system to be evil, it will be evil. But mm-hmm. the fact that Tanmay is putting in his hard work and with that positivity, bringing it forward to the world and helping people with it, I mean, this is great. And, and I can't help, but I love AI and, and just, you know. Yeah. Do, do you use any AI systems such as um, you know, practical applications, um, uh, as uh, Amy and Andrew in program assistance or anything? Do you use yourself any AI practical systems, Tanvi? Yeah, for sure. So without even knowing it, Henry's like, yeah, you're using Siri, it's AI. Yeah. Um, I I for sure schedule my meetings, like when I'm driving and I want to text somebody, I'm telling Siri to do it because I'm not going to do it while driving. If I want to call someone, I use Siri to do it. Setting my alarm even or, or setting up my meetings, uh, setting up my busy schedule for the next day, Siri will tell me, hey, you have a meeting in 10 minutes, like you got to eat soon. So, I mean, I'm using AI without even knowing it, telling the weather, Siri will tell me the weather. So I'm very dependent on AI, even without like realizing it. And Tenmi goes, hey, like you're using AI. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. And Tenmi, um, you're using, so you're, you're working with it for, for some wonderful causes here on um, impacting people's lives. But there's also a lot of other uh, practical applications. And I, I know that a lot of business people are using um, AI to, to, to market and and target brands, especially to the under twenty five year old set, um, what do you think of these kind of uses? I mean, I think they're absolutely great because you see, the thing is, businesses in general have all this hidden data. They have all this sort of dark data that they can't even unlock insights from right now because it's in unstructured way, unstructured formats. There are some types of unstructured data that we can use technology to understand, but most of it, like the majority, 80% of the data in the world that we're generating is just unstructured textual data that has to be understood in context. And this is something that computers are very bad at doing. Through AI, though, we can actually type of under, kind of understand that type of data and unlock the insights that are hidden within that data. In fact, just around uh, a day ago, I was in Boston, uh, and while I was in Boston, uh, I was actually presenting at the AI World Conference with my mentor, the CTO and VP of IBM Watson, and an IBM fellow, actually, Rob High. Um, and so we were presenting about, you know, AI in business, what it can do for your, for your company, uh, for your technology, for your insights. Uh, and I actually presented a new application of mine called T-SOMA, or Tanmay Social Media Analyzer. It actually uses the power of AI to analyze the textual content that you have for your brand or your business on social media. And it can actually make, uh, it can actually make sense of and understand um, all of the things that are coming on, for example, social media. And let you know that like for example hey your server is down people are tweeting about it and it'll tell you that immediately or let's just say something really good has happened to your brand brand it'll immediately notify you about that it can easily find these sorts of hidden insights in your data and give them to you so you can take advantage of them mm-hmm. well that's re- that's that's really interesting um what do you think that any of this actually starts to um interfere into the personal space of people with AI. Uh, what's your opinion on that? Because well, you, you've grown up with this. so 
Sure. So I think I have two opinions on this. Um, number one, if you're looking at, like, for example, uh, artificial intelligence in the mental health application I was talking about, that is not a violation of privacy. Um, because what's happening is we are taking your data, and this is really private data. We're taking where you go every single day. We are literally stalking you. We're tracking your location data. We're tracking your Facebook. We're tracking your Twitter. We're tracking your text messages, uh, browser history. Of course, you can turn each and every one off individually if you don't want it. But the entire point is that AI doesn't violate your privacy because that data will never leave the bounds of the sandbox on your device. It will never leave your device itself. AI will analyze it on the device and never send it to the cloud unless you feel, you know, uh, completely confident in our encryption abilities and you want to send it to the cloud. If you want to, then we will send it to the cloud and train. But if you don't want to, it all stays on device. It's as simple as that. By default, it's off. But if companies start to track users, take their data, sell it to other companies, and then those companies use it to train AI, then that is a violation of privacy. Because then, of course, they haven't actually technically agreed to uh, sending all of that data over to people to train with. Yeah. Uh, you know, completely anonymized until you're doing things like differential privacy that Apple's doing. It's technically considered a violation of privacy, although each user would have their own individual opinion. Um, so it really depends on the individual users. Uh, but things like differential privacy and what I'm doing with the mental health project are not. Whereas if you're doing it secretly and you're trying your best that your users don't know that you're literally selling their data to other people, uh, then that is a violation of privacy. Yeah. Uh, let me let me tan V. Let me come back to you. Um, uh, before we go on the break, I have one more question for you. Um, what what do you think the biggest opportunity is, Tan V, for AI in the future? So, I mean, this is this is a broad question. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Just well, anything. Um, uh, I'm a bit more on the technical side, so I might be able to answer that a little bit better. Um, so what I what I believe, uh, at least uh, my opinion, and you you can tell me more about yeah. uh, what your opinion is. Uh, but my opinion is that artificial intelligence has an integral role in our future because it can understand data that even we can't understand. As humans, we can understand you know vast amounts of data. We're taking in all this information. I'm taking in auditory information right now. There's a furnace running behind me, but yet I'm able to concentrate on what I'm talking about and what you're talking about. Because of, my, uh, because of my human intelligence. But the thing is, when it comes to vast amounts of data that are really complex and don't have repeatable patterns, like for example, electroencephalogram brainwaves, then humans aren't very good at understanding this data and only really artificial intelligence can use uh, the computational and mathematical skill that it has along with the hint of intelligence that we give it. Uh, it combines the best of, those, uh, of both worlds right. uh, and creates this type of tool <clears throat> that can understand data that not and, and that. Right, and that's a great opportunity for us. Yes, so um, we're gonna we're gonna take a short break, and um, and I'd like to just tell our listeners that we are talking to Tan May and Tan V, and Tan Tan May Baxi is the youngest IBM Watson programmer, and his sister Tan V Baxi grew up with a mathematical gift and is now a capital allocation analyst. And we've talked about AI now, how it influences our world. And when we come back, I'd really like to hear a little bit more about you as the Generation Z, uh, how you look at the future. Um, what kind of leadership are you looking for? What do you want the future to look like? What are your passions for learning. So I'd like to talk a little bit about how you want to grow your careers when we get back. For our listeners, if you want to reach out to Tan May, Tan May is pretty much on every social uh, media network. So you can just put his name into the search machine and you'll come up and find him. Um, he's on Facebook under Tan May Bakshi 39. And he has a YouTube station called Tan May Teaches. And Tan V is at on uh, at Tan V Bakshi and also on LinkedIn under Tan V Bakshi. And this is Kimberly Lewis, your host. You're listening to Leadership Beyond Borders on the Voice America Business Station. And please reach out to me with comments at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And with that, we'll be right back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's Business Channel. I am your host, Kimberly Lewis, and today we are speaking with two very special people. We're talking to Tan May and Tan V Bakshi. Ten May is the youngest IBM Watson programmer, and his sister Ten V grew up with a mathematical gift and is now a capital allocation analyst. Now, before the break, we we talked a lot about AI and what AI is going to do in the future. And I I kind of like to leave that subject for a minute because you're both brilliant Generation Zers, and I'd like to have your opinion on on the future. On Tanvi, I'm going to start with you. You're just entered to the workforce. As you enter the workforce, what kind of leaders are you looking to work with? And what what kind of uh, leadership do you want to see? Well, I I am a new graduate. Um, I have had jobs in the past at university. And that does mean I had managers. But, you know, when I hear the word leader or leadership, I think of someone who is not managing me. I think of someone who is who is leading the team, the group, who's leading me. So keyword there um, in your question was lead. Um, the kind of leaders that I have previously worked with and I'm currently working with and would like to work with in the future, um, specifically, I mean, for sure, they're, they can't be managers in today's world. Um, they need to be more open-minded. They need to be um, welcoming, welcoming, collaborative, um, you know, uh, really encouraging teamwork and, and having each one of us in the team take responsibility and most of all, play a, a play a part in the team as role models, someone um, I can look up to for support. Not that, oh no, I need to be scared of my manager because I'm not done Mm -hmm. my project. I should be able to talk to my manager and and tell them my concern um, as to why the project isn't done and look for support. Hey, can you help me? We're running out of time. Can you support me here? Um, So that's the kind of leadership that I previously have seen uh, with the people that I've worked with who are so-called my managers, but they are actually leaders because they're here for me. They are Mm -hmm. encouraging me. They're here to support me and the team. 
And they're kind kind of what I'm hearing from you is a little bit more mentoring you along your path. Um, yeah. Is it that? And and uh, Tanvi, let me ask you something else because your your family immigrated from India to Canada, mm-hmm. and the world is global today. How how important do you think is that the leaders today are culturally and globally aware and educated? Um, well, I have a great example of this. Um, for sure, it's definitely very important for leaders to be uh, culturally and, and globally educated in t- today's world because we do live in a, a global community. We have people from all over the world, be it in the workplace, be it if you go to a shopping mall, you get out of your house. Um, I interact with everybody, um, people of different different cultures I learned so much about them so for sure my my leaders or my managers need to be definitely socially aware and and globally educated an example of this we have team lunches um, for every month every quarter at um, GE at my workplace and for sure um, we have different people uh, from different countries in my team so so we make sure um, as a team that we pick uh, culturally different restaurants go to uh, every mm-hmm. month or every quarter. So that really like brings us in together and that person like gets to explain the food that I should order because I, I like this better than this. Like, So it really comes down to how open-minded, how welcoming someone is. So uh, for sure, leaders can always learn. I always learn. Um, so it's very important that they're open-minded and, and that will incline them to be culturally aware and globally educated. So that is for sure very important. Very important today. Mm. Yeah. And Tame, you've worked with a lot of leaders. What kind of traits do you most admire with the in the people that you work with? Well, um, what I necessarily what what I really admire um, is first of all uh, openness uh, and giving. Uh, now, what I mean by this is, like, for example, you've seen, we've all seen companies, like, uh, I mean, very good examples being, you know, Google, IBM, Microsoft, all these companies that once were completely closed source. They're now becoming so open source. They're so open, so giving. Uh, what happens is these companies start to pave the way um, for future innovation, for other people. They start to lead the way for others to innovate in their area. Like, for example, how the creator of Karas, who now works for Google, Francois Cholet, uh, if he hadn't made Karas open source, if he hadn't made um, you know this entire Karas library, so many deep learning applications right now wouldn't exist. In fact, I probably would be you know working with AI in the, in the next few years and not just yet, uh, because Karas lowers that barrier of entry. It allows me to get into uh, deep learning. And without that type of openness, without him leading the way for everyone else, people who he doesn't even know, that really would not have been possible for so many thousands of people all across the globe. Um, However, since I haven't actually professionally worked, um, (laughs) uh, I can't really say... Um, sort of, you know, in, in a professional sense. What I can say, though, is that my mentors, you know, James Archieri, Timothy Duncan, uh, Rob Hyde, John Cohn, all, all these people, uh, they are very, very, you know, selfless. They are definitely my role models. Uh, they, they, I, I absolutely love uh, how they're willing to, you know, help me uh, with no matter really whatever problem I have. Uh, even if it's not necessarily in their field, they're always willing uh, to come and, and share their experience with me, which I honestly just really love uh, and really appreciate. Uh, so yes, that, that, that's what I believe. Yeah. So that, that I mean that is really that's that's really nice to hear from from really from the the mouths of Generation Z because because a lot of us we talk about you know what you guys want okay and and I wonder sometimes where we get this information it's great to hear I mean openness culturally sensitive role models mentors um, I think that's really the way leadership should go today and it's really great to hear it directly from you and Tammy, you are kind of a leader today because you're also on a mission, okay, um, to help others learn to become better programmers. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, definitely, no problem. Uh, so, really, what I believe is that I mean, as you know, I have a YouTube channel, and whenever I release a new video, I'm talking, you know, whenever, what time I release a video, uh, there are always hundreds of people reaching out to me. 
almost immediately, actually. Then uh, these are from all across the globe. These are people from all different age ranges, professional backgrounds, et cetera, et cetera. All different demographics. Uh, they're reaching out to me with questions. Like, for example, how can I fix this error in my code? How can I implement this with AI? How can I do this? How can I do that? There's so many questions that I'm realizing there's a knowledge gap. There's a gap in the resources that people can use in order to learn about powerful technology, uh, especially like AI. Uh, and so seven years ago, around seven years ago, uh, I made a mission to actually try and fulfill or, or, or try and fill that knowledge gap as much as I can, at least work towards filling that knowledge gap. Because the knowledge exists everywhere. There are papers, there are um, videos, there are blogs that everyone writes, but the resources aren't there. People won't make really simple, easy to understand resources uh, so people can learn about, for example, AI or neural networks. Um, and that's because there's so many researchers working on the very forefront of this field that sometimes we forget about, you know, bringing people into this field in the first place. Um, so that's why I have a mission to reach out to uh, and, and, and really help uh, at least 100,000 aspiring coders to help them along their journey of really innovating through code. And in fact, I'm really glad to say that I'm around 5,500 people there and I'm always working towards this mission and hope to reach out the goal soon. And of course, from there, continue to expand the goal and reach out to as many people as I can. Wow, that's great. So you're at 55, so that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So let, let me just ask both of you. Okay? And, um, we have a lot of leaders listening to us today, and you've expressed what you thought good leadership was and what you want, um, but we also have um, businesses listening. We have global leaders listening. If you had one wish that you wanted, one message that you wanted to give to the global leaders, to the, the big business leaders that are listening to us today, what would be that one message? So I'll start with Tanvi. Sure. So this is, this is a great question, I think. Um, for sure, my greatest wish or message to the global leaders today, as I've worked with many leaders, many managers that I've, having, I've had in the past, and um, for my current manager, and I learn from her every day, to be really um, welcoming, uh, letting people feel her team, his team, be part of the team, uh, to have our ideas heard, uh, to be able to act upon them and work towards them and really give us um, an encouragement uh, and, and tell us, hey, this is where we need to work on as a team or this is where I can support you. So I think um, management is, is becoming more of, of leaders because they uh, are going into the fact that we need to work together as a team and not really manage people because at the end of the day, we have the same goal. The team has the same goal. So my greatest wish for, for every leader out there is to really encourage your team, make them feel part of a group, um, have their ideas valued and, and brought up, and really encourage the team to uh, bring their, their work forward and, and recognize. I think that's uh, a really major uh, part of any, any like teamwork because mm -hmm. if someone's recognized, they're going to work harder uh, to make sure that the team achieves uh, their goal. So recognize Huge part. Yeah. And, and Tanmay, what would be your great, big, your message or your biggest wish to the, those listening to us today? Uh, sure. Uh, now, according to me, really, and I'll get to this later, actually. Uh, first, what I believe uh, is that I, mean, I actually have quite a few messages. Uh, but the main one uh, is that this one's for actually generally, as you mentioned, business leaders, people in the general public, um, and, and also governments. Artificial intelligence is not a technology that's going to replace humans in any way, really at all. Uh, a lot of people think, hey, you know, uh, we should use an AI like Watson. Uh, it's going to come into our company, learn a lot about what we do, and then from there we won't need to, uh, you know, hire, hire new engineers or new workers or new staff. Uh, in fact, there was actually an oil, I believe an oil company uh, in Australia and New Zealand called Woodside that actually did exactly this. They said, hey, IBM, bring Watson in. Well, we will eliminate, you know, this percentage of our workforce. Mm -hmm. uh, but what Woodside found uh, was that once IBM made this tool for them, and once they had this AI tool, guess what they did? 
they actually increased their workforce by more mm-hmm. than that percentage because they realized that AI allows all of their workers to be the best workers. It allows mm-hmm. their experience with each other. But apart from that message that I have, that of course you need to invest in AI, uh, you have to realize that AI won't replace you, you shouldn't be afraid of it. I also believe that the governments should really be investing in bringing coding and programming to the youth. I know we're already doing it, but we really need to drive this through, bring artificial intelligence, bring uh, programming in general to the youth. Again, I started... Ed- yeah, I think that I think that is an absolutely fantastic message um, because that I, I see that a lot. That um, uh, you know everybody's kind of afraid. I mean, it's a scary thing. Um, and unfortunately, I think we're we're just about out of time today. Um, but I wish I had another hour to talk to you both because this has been such a fantastic discussion with you. And for our listeners today. We have been talking to family Bakshi, Tamay, and Tammy. And Tamay is the youngest IBM Watson programmer, and his sister Tanvi grew up with a mathematical gift and is now a capital allocation analyst. And you can reach out to Tamay on pretty much every social media channel, okay, and also his YouTube at Tamay Teaches. And Tanvi is available at, on Twitter at Tanvi Bakshi and also on LinkedIn at Tanvi Bakshi. And I'd like to thank you both for joining me today. And um, I hope to be seeing um, you both in London in April. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank Thank you you for having us. Uh, Okay. So just to wrap this up, I mean, statistics, statistics, I mean, this was just fantastic to hear these two brilliant young people. And statistics say that nearly 21% of the world's population now is Generation Z, and um, they're nearly outnumbering both millennials and baby boomers now. And these people are, these, this generation is really forming our future. And they are the ones that are comfortable with both with both AI, with digital technology. They they grew up with it. Okay? And you have heard two stories here of two young people who have been brilliant. And I think one of the greatest things that I heard today was, was not only their willingness to share with us their brilliance and their visions for the future, but also I think it's a wonderful story how their parents encouraged them and they were able to follow their dream. So I have been, I'm Kimberly Lewis, and you have been listening to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America Business Channel. We are live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. specific time and on demand. So tune in to us, download us on iTunes, and please reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And once again, Leadership Beyond Borders is brought to you by the Women's Leadership Academy 2020 located in Boston and in Prague, and we do leadership training, systemic team coaching, motivational speaking, and executive coaching. And once again, thank you both for being us, being with us today. It was very inspirational. And my leadership word for the today is don't be afraid of the future because it's already here. And we have heard from two fantastic future leaders, and thank you from Toronto, Tam May and Tan V. And tune in next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.